Hi guys, I'm Trish. I'm Sarah. Sarah and I are attorneys and founders of the law firm Lincoln Durr in Charlotte, North Carolina. Gosh, together we've been practicing law now for two decades, which just kind of makes me cringe every time I say that for a long time. But we're using this podcast to share the lessons we've learned inside the courtroom, outside the courtroom as business owners, and just in life in general. So welcome to Trying to Win. I have something special for everyone today. Yay. And let me just tell you, when this particular guest walked up in the parking lot, what did I, the first things, first words out of my mouth were, well, aren't you dapper? <laughs> because today we have who I call the Renaissance man, Judge Jesse Caldwell, number three. And he is donned in a pink dapper suit, linen suit, perfectly linen suit, a vest, a, a kerchief. What do you call those? Handkerchiefs? Is there some special word for them? Well, a pocket square. Okay. A pocket square, yeah. and he just is perfectly and coordinated. Tips. Don't forget oh, the wing tips. I didn't see. Oh, how <laughs> adorable! Mm-hmm. I'm all about the shoes. Uh, you know that. Black and white, Sarah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so glad to have you. Um, I believe, if I'm remembering my stats correctly, you're the longest-serving Superior Court judge in North Carolina. May not be the longest-serving in the history of North Carolina, but uh, uh, in our uh, western part of the state, I, I am, and in our division, which is now Mecklenburg, 25 counties to the west. Uh, I was the longest serving uh, Supreme Court judge at 28 years until I retired in May. I bet you learned a few things, seen a few things. <laughs> it was it was, uh, it was an eye-opening experience. Absolutely. I'll tell our listeners how we met. I, I at, was at Womble Carlisle, and one of the things we had to do as young associates was to bill uh, or have to, non-billable hours. And that could be pro bono work, uh, some sort of community service, bar work. And the project that I elected was to interview some of our Superior Court judges to get to know the people behind the black robe. Because, you know, you guys are kind of intimidating when you walk in and, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, and the bailiff and all of this stuff. (laughs) And I really, as a young lawyer, I thought, well, I want to know the humanity behind these people. And I sat down with you, and I'm, I got to tell you, it almost brings tears to my eyes to think about because it, it was so sweet. I, I learned so much. I learned that judges aren't just judges. And for this particular judge, um, you're what I call a Renaissance man. Is that fair? Well, uh, <laughs> I think you're being overly gracious and generous. Uh, and let me just say, you did a number of interviews with uh, a lot of judges, Judge Boner, Judge Poovey, and they were all uh, sterling and superb, and you understand people, and you know how to get into a personality, and you're you're so talented. You and Sarah work so well together, and have for so long. Uh, at Renaissance man, I I have an interest in a lot of different things. I enjoy a wide panoply of interests, and if that makes me a well-rounded person, I guess maybe. Renaissance man is as good as anything. <laughs> and Absolutely. I'm surprised, was that, had you not ever appeared in front of Judge Caldwell before that interview? Oh, I'm sure I had, but what I okay. don't think I appreciated was that, you know, he's an actor, you know, he gotcha. he preaches, he, um, I mean, just writes, just all kinds of really cool things, into the arts, you're a foodie, just. Well, we, yeah, you, we, yeah. Uh, uh, she had Sarah, as, as had you, uh, but uh, uh, particularly in motions court, Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in Mecklenburg, uh, you know, you get your business done. You might approach the bench to greet the judge uh, if you know the judge. But then they're calling the next case, and there's not much time for uh, getting to know each other, uh, unfortunately. 
Yeah, why do you say that? Well, I, I love getting to know the stories of people, and I know the Sarah's first trial in front of me, she was pregnant. and, and I, I, I didn't make it to the end of that trial, I, I don't think. <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to know, you know, how long have you been married? Do you have any other children? You know, right. Jim Cooney was trying the case with you, and... You know, I just, I, I get intrigued about these things. I want to know what people are all about, and it can be frustrating uh, in the more urban counties when we have so much yeah. business that we just don't get that opportunity. Now, in the rural counties where there's not quite as much uh, work to do, there are more opportunities. In the court setting, during the breaks and recesses, talking to people in chambers mm-hmm. and whatnot, uh, there was one old, old lawyer uh uh, Colonel Stewart in uh, rural county years ago, and and uh, kind of looked like uh, Colonel Sanders, KFC, and and they kept calling him Colonel. So during the break, I said, Colonel, can you tell me about yourself? Are, are you in? I mean, are you a veteran? Was it World War One or World War Two? He said, Shucks, Judge, I ain't never been in the military. I'm just an old timer. They call me that out of respect, Colonel. Just like when they call you, Your Honor, don't mean a dad gum. <laughs> so. So I like to, you know, get to know people. So that was why I was delighted to have the, the sit down. In fact, as I recall, we stretched it into two interviews. Yes. Well, you just had so many stories to tell yeah. and so much to say. And, um, and you know, I've also had the pleasure of recently, we had launched not long ago with Jesse Four. We did. Who is his honor now. Um, I don't know. You knew that, right, Sarah? That yes. his son took his place uh, as yep. a judge, which is, has that ever happened before? That's pretty cool. That uh, is rare. Um, the most recent example, uh, Judge Doug Albright in Greensboro. That's right. When he retired, Stuart Albright took over. But ah. it's uh, uh, way down east, uh, Judge Coy Brewer took his father's seat back in the uh, 70, late 70s. And uh, in Winston-Salem, Judge uh, William Wood took his, his father's place. But it's, uh, that was years ago. But it's, uh, it's pretty rare. Yeah. So you started, um, like your son, in the PD's office? Well, I was in private practice for a few years and then went uh, did, doing civil and criminal and then went to the public defender's office, was an assistant there, uh, as he was. And uh, I went back into private practice for a number of years and then was uh, appointed to be the, the chief public defender when uh, our public defender, Chip Kloniger, uh, retired. But, uh, but Jesse... Uh, my son has been there for 10 years, been in court every day. Every day. That's important. Every That's day. really important yeah. for our judges. And, and not only knows the culture and the substance and the rules of evidence, and yes. that, but knows how, knows rule number one, communicate with the clerk, be nice to the clerk and yep. the bailiff. These people can save your behind. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, you know, and, 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 and so he's been, yeah, I, I've always thought the best experience best qualification for being uh, a judge is to have been in the trenches yes oh my gosh amen yeah yeah i agree so but thank you for asking about him i think in fact i i I slipped in to watch him whole court in cleveland county i wasn't going to do it unless he gave me his permission i was so so proud so excited did you make him nervous I don't think so. Because <laughs> you would make me nervous. <laughs> I, I, but uh, it, it, it really uh, it really was a, uh, a heartwarming experience. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Thank, that's the kind of thing you. that brings tears to your eyes, I know, thank when you know. see your kids succeed yeah. like that. Yeah, that's incredible. I, we, ha- we haven't had an opportunity to be in front of them yet, but we look forward Thanks to, to COVID. 
Well, I mean, I was, but I was in Gaston County on Monday in person. Oh, wow. No plexiglass. Well, he's, you'll have that chance soon. He's, he took my place and I was assigned to Charlotte for the uh, second half of this second year. half of this year, the uh, fall term. And uh, they've switched him around a couple of times. He's over in Mecklenburg this week holding criminal administrative court. But so he'll be doing civil motions and civil trials soon. So stay tuned. Yeah, absolutely. Yay. Well, we look yeah. forward to it. That's really cool uh, to have a legacy you. like that. Thank yeah, you, friends. And thank you have other kids? I do. I have. Uh, he's my oldest, Jesse the fourth. Uh, I have a daughter, Summer. Summer Suttles, who is a dentist, and she is uh, married. She has a, a, a little boy who's almost five, Graham, and a little girl whose birthday, Kennedy, will be three this Saturday. Uh-uh. We're having her party. She, uh, she and her husband, uh, Chris, live in, um, in the Fort Mill area. And then uh, they're building a house in Rock Hill. My next son, Chandler, is uh, studied the sports administration at State, is in Raleigh, is involved in uh, sports. In fact, he's getting ready to run in the Boston Marathon. Oh, that's really? that's a big oh, deal. Cool. Don't biggie. you have to qualify it all you that? Like, it's not, you don't just get to sign and, up. <laughs> and, and what I was so proud about is last year they cut the, uh, the slowest 20% because they were trying to reduce the number of people. And he got cut this year. They did the same thing, and he made the cut. So he's, wow. he's yeah, and so, uh, but he's a gregarious, wonderful guy. And then my youngest, Chase, is uh, lives with me. He is uh, UNC Charlotte as a senior, and wow. he started his uh, his last semester this uh, this week. So I've been very blessed. Yes, and, and and Jesse and his wife just had their first child after seven years. A uh, ten pound, thirteen ounce boy named Jesse Brody. Five. Uh, Brody. Uh. Brody. <laughs> they named Anthony Brody. Uh, gave the naming rights, to, deferred naming rights to his his wife, and she named them after her grandfather who died. About That's two a years cute ago. name, Brody. Yeah, named after her grandfather. Really cute. She's very close to him. So, uh, but I, I'm very blessed with the Gray family, as you all are. With your children. Very. Some yes. Place. Knock on yeah. wood. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I, well, the, the child I was pregnant with during that yeah. that trial that we had will be 21 in oh. November, just oh. so you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> She's a junior at the University Whoa. of Georgia. Oh, yeah, fabulous. it's been a long time. Oh, it's been crazy. a long time, and it's been great. It's been great. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So when you were considering the bench in the beginning, what um, – what sparked that fire? What made you want to be a judge as opposed to staying a lawyer in private practice well, you know, <clears throat> or public defender? I never – I have known people, Tricia, who like you know, want to be governor and they try to – from high school law and, you know, student body – and all. I've known people want to be a judge and they try to plot their course that way. I, it was not that way with me. Uh, I grew up wanting to be in the courtroom and, and, and be litigating and fighting, championing a cause. And <laughs> after I got appointed to be the uh, uh, the public defender, after about a year and a half, our senior resident judge, Robert Kirby, uh, retired. And I had several people say, you know, <laughs> yeah, what, what about you? And I started th- and I, 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 I think all of us have at one time or another, thought, you know, this stupid judge, the way he he or she ruled here, by golly, if I was up there, I'd show him how to do it. I, I think we all kind of would like to have that chance to judge for a day is to, I'll show you how to do it the right way. And so I started thinking about it, had some encouragement, and I tossed my hat in the ring, and I was, uh, Governor Hunt appointed me, and that was in uh, September 1983, 28 years ago. So 
but it has been it it, it it was a wonderful thing because I practiced law for 20 years and I did not have to learn a new discipline a new body or corpus of, of information yeah. or knowledge it was it was what I knew but it was sliced from a different way yeah and it required learning a whole new set of skills rather than persuasion it required balancing it required listening and uh weighing and so it was creative and challenging in that respect and yet i didn't have to go through the you know crash course of uh right. learning a whole new vocabulary or procedures or anything was that a, like a hard transition to move from the um passionate on the one side or the other to being the referee? Uh, It was for me. (laughs) I had seen this happen, and I swore I would never do it, but but I did. I can't tell you the number of times when somebody would be asking a question, I'm sitting up there taking notes, and I'm suddenly go, objection! (laughs) You know, I think, wait wait a minute, I'm I'm the judge. I'm not supposed to be objecting here. Uh, And uh, I was so, after my, my first charge conference, I was so hyper-focused on getting it right that we went. It was a civil case, and we went back in. It was in Gaston County my first week. Went back into court, and they brought the jury in. And, uh, of course, ready for jury arguments. And I, I said, members of the jury, all the evidence has now been presented. I began giving the charge conference. Well, nobody wanted to embarrass the judge. Finally, uh, the clerk slipped a note to me and said, uh, are you going to give the attorneys a chance to make a closing <laughs> argument? <laughs> Hello. So, yeah, it, it, and I profusely apologize, but I mean that's it's so it, it was. I mean, having been in court all those years myself, it was a bit yeah. of a challenge. That learning process that is the kind of thing that keeps you sharp and stimulated. I think. Mm-hmm. How do Not you feel stale. like your other outside interests, which we'll talk about in a little bit? I kind of have impacted or made you a better judge um, by having all of these outside interests. Well, I had a lot of um, theater experience, a lot of acting, and that certainly helped me as a lawyer. And I have a pretty flamboyant personality anyway, but that helped me with a lot of um, finesse and a lot of nuances and a lot of the uh, moves, blocking and... um, pauses and things like that. Uh, I, I think that that uh, other uh, interests, um, uh, being I was involved in the community a lot, and it helped me to know something about the subjects that we were litigating. Right. Mm-hmm. And it helped me to uh, know about the people. You know, uh, you, you, your father went to Hunter Huss, didn't he? That's where I yeah, went to school, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing. And being so, uh, and having grown up in the community, uh, that helped me. Of course, we're circuit riders, whole court all over the state, and uh, but I traveled and traveled a lot, and so uh, uh, all of my um, uh, uh, other interests, uh, the, uh, the lay preaching and all that, would I, I, I think gave me an appreciation for uh, some understanding about human nature. For example, when people would come in, the jurors would file in. Half of them have sour scowls on their face. They don't want to be there. And what I would try to do is to profusely thank them. We we know we know you're being inconvenienced, but this is the only way we can 
we, we can live out our Constitution, a trial by jury. Yeah. Europe important and, and flag-waving and that kind of thing. And I think I got a lot of that from my political science studies at Chapel Hill. Go and, Hills. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, my, and the uh, uh, lay preaching, we uh, do a lot of uh, work into the uh, human personality and that kind of thing. So, Sarah, I think you're right. It's, it, it's, it, it's helped me in a lot of different ways. I know we encourage our lawyers to be involved in something. I mean, you have to do something. And, you know, whether you're a voracious reader of things that are going on in your community or you're directly involved in a charity or your children's schools, anything and everything, it just it makes you not only better as a person, but also as a lawyer. I think I've just always been a firm believer in that. So makes you a, ba- a balanced person and help, and therefore a better lawyer in that sense. And also uh, the the information and skills that you acquire and hone in in those activities uh, uh, interplay a lot. I think into the work of a lawyer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With your with your acting and um and 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 all of those interests, these other interests, you work at the church, all the community. Can you tell when people are lying to you? I'm pretty good at it. it, it it's not foolproof, and I've been um, uh, I've been conned a few times. But over the year, I mean, I've been doing this 48 years right. now, and I've got a pretty good feel when people are not shooting straight with you. A lot of times, I call them on it, especially when I was on the bench. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Uh, I, <laughs> what do you do? I, I told this. Uh, this one woman, I, we don't have time to go into the whole story. I said, uh, "I said those are crocodile tears." You're, it was a probation violation case. I said, "Everything you've said today is a lie." Of course, you can't say that as a lawyer in a closing argument, uh, but I can say as a judge. Right. And I said, "The truth is not in you." So she went to prison, and she wrote me a letter two years later, and said, "Those words you said have haunted me, and it, they were so true." Oh wow! I was a con artist, yeah, and she and I became Facebook friends after she uh, she got out. <laughs> oh my god! And gosh. I exchanged Christmas cards, and she moved to Alabama. I've kept up with her, so. Uh, but I called her out, and um, a, a lot of the cons are the same kind of things. You, your red flag goes up when you hear some right. lines that you've heard before. Wow! Yeah. I, it is incredible how people lose perspective. You know. I'm sure at the time that she was saying what she was saying to you, she may not have been as self-aware to know that it 100% is a con. It's like people almost convince themselves that what they're saying is true. And it takes being called out like that to give them back a little bit of a different perspective. And uh, I I had a similar thing with that witness. In fact, I think we talked about it on one of our early episodes, Um, the witness who I cross-examined about him being biased because he worked in the production of a particular piece of equipment that was at issue in one of our trials. And after after the verdict, he wrote me a, my client a letter and apologized to my client for having wow. served as an expert against him because he hadn't wow. even appreciated his own bias. Wow. Wow. So I think, I mean, not ha- having all these outside interests gives you strengths, mm. yeah. gives you the ability to stand up and tell somebody something like that and then, and really influence and change a life. I mean, it's, it's, a, just it's an incredible <laughs> right? power, right? That you guys wield. Um, not just over the the lawyers who appear in front of you, but the the clients that we Absolutely. represent as well. It is, and I might just say this: 
you're exactly right. People can almost convince themselves of things. Uh, in addition to that, it's interesting. These liars, most of the time, are so confident that they can convince you. They're so, uh, and I see this a lot with criminal defendants who have extensive oh, records. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they think they know what to say to uh, to sway you over to their point of view. Uh, you, you talk about the power of a judge. It, it, it's so important, I think, for a judge to be aware of that, Sarah and Tricia, because the power to impact on a person's life. And Supreme Court judges don't have the power that we used to. When I started almost 50 years ago, a Supreme Court judge was almost like God. What he, and I don't recall any women judges at that time. They, uh, judge Shirley Fulton came along a little later. She was the first one in this area. Judge uh, Chief Justice Sarah Parker had been, I think, the first woman Supreme Court judge back in the 60s when Governor Sanford appointed her. But, 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 but these men, some of these men were just uh, almost like gods. What, what they said was the law. What they said went, even if it was not legal. You know, they give an order, sheriff, do this, and uh, and and uh, it would be done. And so, I've always tried to remember that the best use of power is the forbearance of it. Oh, that's and, a very good quote. Yeah, the forbearance of it, and to use it sparingly, and the withholding of the authority that you have over somebody's life. I, so. To me, that that there is a huge amount of power there, but I wonder. When you go home at night, like if there have been ta- days when you've had to sentence someone or you've had to deliver a jury verdict that you personally didn't agree with or that haunted you, if you had days like that, oh yeah, yeah. H- how do you ha- I mean, how do you do that? Well, I, 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 I'm pretty blessed in that I can compartmentalize fairly well, okay, uh, and I can most of the time leave my professional world at the office or at the or in the courtroom or in the chambers, but there are times when Something is uh, so, and you wind up having dreams about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it, it's in your subconscious, and uh, particularly when you see uh, a, a real travesty of some kind, something that, and especially if that person's interest is not being represented by a lawyer that is nearly as prepared as he or she could be. Oh, wow. Maybe so, wow. Oh, yeah. It's just, it is just heartbreaking. And uh, there's some things you can try to do about that. But, you know, you're, you're the referee. You can't show favoritism. And so there are times like that. Uh, you, you mentioned delivering verdicts. Uh, the, the hardest verdict yes. is every verdict where somebody has left something substantial on the table. In oh, civil or criminal yeah. court, every verdict, and like uh, a plea bargain or a settlement offer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody goes to prison for multiple, uh, you know, for for two decades, and they turn down a, a, a year in prison. And somebody, in the first medical malpractice case I tried up in Burke County, Mike Northrop was the defense lawyer. I won't say who the plaintiff's lawyer was. And uh, so I always have a settlement conference. We, and I said, well, I assume being a bad mouth case has been no offer made. I said, we've offered them $40,000. And it turned out that this doctor had been sued in a number of other t- uh, occasions. And so they told me what the case is about. I mean, this was, th- this woman should have jumped at that and mm-hmm. her attorney. Ah, there's no way we're even going to think about that. And, of course, she wound up getting zero. Yeah. 
And I mean, you know, but any time, and of course, human greed is involved in there. Plaintiffs wanting too much money. Lawyers not correctly Lawyers coaching not, their clients no, and setting no. expectations yeah, improperly. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the criminal realm too. So every verdict where somebody has left something on the table, a number of years of freedom or money they could have gotten. Mm-hmm. I, I saw somebody lean over at one client after the um, verdict was zero and said to the lawyer, "Can can we can we now take that that offer?" Oh, they said, "You know, the late." And I thought, my Lord, did the lawyer not explain? I mean, you know, so those kind of things are hard. That is hard. You know, we talk about that a lot. And um, I think that early on, we we were pretty well known as being med mal defense attorneys. And we're doing a lot more business litigation now and actually representing plaintiffs in cases now. And I think our experience as defense lawyers and very frequently feeling like our 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 fellow plaintiff's lawyers may not always explain to their clients what what the potential downsides are in litigation. And it's not just that you may not win. It's an investment of your time, oh, your yeah. energy, emotion. your emotion. Good oh, grief. Yeah. There is a cost to that that you can't put a dollar figure on, you know? And, Absolutely. And so I feel like because of our experience and feeling like we have seen that on the other side, it's actually made us better in dealing in those ca- in cases where we are now I'm representing sure plaintiffs. Sure yeah, so again, having that breadth of experience, right? Not just in terms of outside of the practice of law, but having some variation in your practice um, really helps give you so much perspective and um, hopefully makes us better at what we're doing. But um yeah. I'm looking at a little note here about something about a, a scarlet thread of fairness, <laughs> which I think is like a really good segue here, because I think what you're talking about is you you want a court proceeding to be fair and you want everybody to be well represented and you want, you know, you want there to be an even playing field. I'm not sure that you can always get it perfectly even, although I do think in our medical malpractice cases, our plaintiff spars are, are they're exceptional. I mean, they're all very good lawyers. Um, and I don't mean to, you know, say something about them not adequately explaining things to their clients. I think it's very often like our physicians explain the risk benefit analysis to patients. And usually in our cases, the patients come in and say, nobody ever told me what the risk right. of this was when I think people also hear what they want to hear. They don't always all ingest. Yeah. But in any event, all of that goes to I want to hear a little bit more about this scarlet thread of fairness. It's from I'm not sure I've yeah, I'm not sure I've gone back and reread that article, and it's been a while. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I was a uh, law clerk for uh, attorney Gastonian Law School. Pat Cook was his name. Uh, best lawyer I've ever seen, hands down. Brilliant man in so many ways. It, 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 cross-examination, jury arguments. Again, he understood human nature. and so. Uh, but but he, in his jury arguments, he would talk about in every case, there was a scarlet thread of justice. And is it going to become unraveled? Or are you going to stitch it into the fabric of this case? Whereas, you know, and so uh, I did a, a presentation uh, at a seminar, ethics seminar, and I had uh, a couple of hundred spools of red thread. I went to uh, Mary Jo's claw store in Gastonia and bought. I know Mary Jo's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody and, does. And, uh, and passed that out. And I said, I want you to keep this spool of scarlet thread on your desk or in your purse or in your or in your car or in your pocket, suit pocket. 
when you're thinking about your case and you're planning your case and you're litigating your case, we we should never lose sight of that scarlet thread of justice. And I've had people, Jim Jim uh, Cooley, not Jim Cooney, but Jim Cooley, who was in law school with me, sent me a Christmas card about two years after that and said, I want you to know I've still got my spool of scarlet thread sitting on that's my so desk. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that, but 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 that's where they. But you know what? That that is so true. We're there to do justice, and obviously the lawyers are are there to represent their clients and and uh, win their case and all of that. But the judge's job, and really ultimately the lawyer's job, is to do justice. Justice, and that's what breaks my heart when I hear about. You know what? What really astounds me. Few things shock me when I've heard occasions of lawyers doctoring documents. Oh, wow. Altering documents. Don't hear about it much. Tragically, I'm hearing about it more and more than it's still not now? a lot. But yeah, yeah. I wouldn't think you could do that in the digital age. Well, there are a lot of younger lawyers. Oh, and they know how to do stuff that we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 but I just, you know, but, um, you know, when you discover that there's some mistake or something or you do the right thing, you do the honorable right. thing. The vast majority of lawyers do that. So anyway, that, that's how that came about. That's Red. interesting because we were actually talking on the way over here about how the practice of conducting discovery these days has changed and that our opposing counsel are going after all of the lawyers that they're opposing, I think not just us, but suggesting that documents are being hidden or documents, you know, are that there's more there that they they just it, there just has to be more there. And it we call it Trish calls it discovery creep. But I'm wondering if that isn't a result of them having actually that happen having before. that happen oh, yeah, to them yeah. before because I I know we don't do that <laughs> I know for Absolutely. a fact we don't do that oh. um, but it's an it's a new perspective that if you've seen it happening then maybe they've had a similar experience and that's what makes them believe that everybody might be doing it I, I don't think, know I think that's true and but but also I, I in addition to that the pressure especially in civil cases especially in urban areas like Charlotte. The pressure at litigation is so expensive, and lawyers are being paid so much, and people are having to pay all these court costs and all of this. There's a pressure to win and to succeed. And, uh, you know, I never used to hear that. I do hear that now. Judge, by golly, there's got to be stuff. Well, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. She's told you that that's it. End of story. Now, I mean, you know, this he or she's an officer of the court. Now, if you find out otherwise, you file your motion. You let me know. But end of discussion. If if they say this is all there is, you know, and so uh, and sadly, a lot of it is uh, being fueled by um, Rambo tactics and things that are just not professional. I think I think we can all agree, sadly, that the old school kind of professionalism that we grew up on is waning to some extent. I a hundred percent believe that that's, I, I think it, it makes, <laughs> it makes me sad. It really does. Um, I, I remember um, a long time ago, um, there was a lawyer that uh, I can't remember. Gosh, I can't remember where he, where he worked. I won't say his name, but I had missed a admissions a request for admissions deadline. And for those of the audience who's may not be a lawyer, that's, kind of a bad thing like you do not want to miss responding to requests for admission we've all done it scary and i i think i missed it by like three days and i called him on the phone i was in tears 
because I, I mean, it's malpractice basically, right? I mean, you could really have a bad outcome from that. And I told him what I'd done. And he said, he took a deep breath and he said to me, he said, listen, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna give you an extension, but I need you to promise me one thing. I said, yes, sir, I'll promise you anything, right? <laughs> he said, someday, somewhere down the road, a young lawyer is gonna come to you and they're gonna have fumbled and made a boo-boo. Wow. And I want you to promise me that you'll give them the same grace that I'm yeah. giving you. Yeah. About 15 years later, <laughs> we had a foreclosure proceeding on a piece of property in Boone and a young lawyer called me and said, I missed my appeal on the foreclosure. I said, well, let me tell you a little story. <laughs> I'll do this for I you if you it. promise me something. And she later called me and said, you know, I paid it forward to somebody else later on down the road. But, but I think your point is, is really important. Um, you know, our jobs are hard enough. Just be nice. Can mm-hmm. you not just show a little grace? Yeah, yeah and I think COVID's made it worse. It I really think, has. Um, not having to face somebody in person has made it so much easier for people on a Zoom call, on a web hearing, to email bandits. Yes, (laughs) exactly. We used to say people could write really nasty letters, but they were really nice to your face. Now that's gone to emails. And now, you know, on a web conference, you're not having to really look that person in the eye and say all those horrible things about them. And, uh, you know, the last year and a half, we have seen a huge influx of people – Filing motions for sanctions, oh, filing God. motions, at, you know, over discovery, alleged abuses. Um, rule 11, that was unheard of oh, back when I came along. It, you, yeah. I never allowed a Rule 11, but, I mean, I, I didn't even see them until about 15 years ago, and, and now they're being filed. Pretty regularly, what, yeah. what do you say to a lawyer that's in your courtroom before you, or if there's a couple of lawyers that are just quarreling unnecessarily and just being ugly, do you do you call them out or say anything to them or just issue your order? Uh, I handle it two different ways, uh, Tricia. Uh, first, um, if it's an emotion hearing and they're squawking back and forth, I, I say, uh, you're going to stop that right now. You talk to me. I'm not putting up with that crap. You got You're it. Scaring me. I'm not putting up in <laughs> And usually that takes care of it. If it's a, if it's a trial, it's good to, I call them back in chambers and say, "Look, guys, uh, uh, this ain't the way to do this, and we we can do this the easy way or the hard way." And. And I'm just telling you that you're, in fact, you're not only hurting your client's case, you're hurting your client's case with the jury, and who, who can see this kind of stuff and 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 doesn't like it. And so. Uh, and you know what? It uh, it used to work more than it does now, sadly. And there are so many bright, wonderful young lawyers, but there are some young lawyers out there now that think they know it all <laughs> and do not take any constructive yeah. advice. Again, I, I don't want to stereotype this in really super ones, but, but sadly I've seen some that just know it all. Mm-hmm. Experience matters. I mean, yeah, yeah sure. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we appreciate you coming. You are um, truly the Renaissance man. You are. Oh, I've seen you. you in court so many times, and I just admire your uh, control in the courtroom, thank your ability to take control over the people that are before you, um, and the fact that I've seen you. I've seen you in criminal court talking to defendants yeah, and yeah. saying things to them, not about. Not about being or orders or anything yeah. like that, but but about being a human being. You yeah. know, would your what would your mother say? Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. Know? Yeah, and yeah, it's special. Yeah. It's special. It's special to have you. It's special to have you as a friend. Thank um, you. we Thank we you. we really appreciate everything you've done. Absolutely honored to be here. Good. 
Well, maybe we'll have you back another time. <laughs> wink, wink. That's right. Um, so just, you know, I don't know. You want to do the verdict, Trish? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what we're asking for our audience members to do is to listen, review, rate, let us know, feedback, um, email us. and Download. Uh, download subscribe. all that stuff. And, and, and not just on Apple, right? Because we're on Google and all kinds of other stuff. There's all this all this millennial, no, actually Gen Z stuff Whatever that's out there that is. we now have the Dory because we're going to take care of. Um, but yeah, absolutely. We hope you will. Excellent. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yep. Next time. <laughs>